My friends, one of the disheartening trends of our day is that everything, including every action, every literary work, every religious expression, every relationship, and so forth, is being viewed as some kind of power struggle. If I understand it correctly, out of, coming out of academia is one of those particular concepts that reigns in reference to literature and legal, or the law, it's the same thing. It's all about power. That's critical theory, if I understand it correctly. Even the old bestseller, The Da Vinci Code, which sold as number one for more weeks than any other book than the Bible, The Da Vinci Code, Dan Brown put in there, made his charge against Christianity, and this was his charge, quote, it was all about power, end of quote. Now, maybe this will surprise you, but in a very clear way, Dan Brown was right. It was all about power. And we Christians have believed this from the very, very beginning. God's power poured out for us and for our salvation. And you will see this here as you look at Luke chapter 2, the passage that I read just a minute ago, with the contrast here. The contrast at the beginning between Caesar and then the rest of the story of Christ. So the contrast between Caesar and Christ. By the way, if you're visiting and you never had me, heard me preach before, I will likely explode, turn blood red and fume, and I'm not mad at anybody. I just get excited, so be prepared. And so the contrast, verses 1 through 3 with Caesar. Caesar steps up to rule from above for himself. Caesar steps up to rule from above for himself. My friends, just look at the very first two or three verses there. Here is power to move whole people groups all over the globe under his control. Power. Here's power to shove people around this way and that way. Augustus, who was the adopted son of Julius Caesar, who is this Caesar in Luke chapter 2, became the lone single ruler of the whole Roman Empire after a bloody revolution, after a bloody war where he defeated Mark Antony. Power! He turned what was, what was once a republic, a, a uh, a republic that was ruled by a senatorial majority and law and all those things. He turned what was once a republic into an empire with himself at the very top. Power. He declared that his adoptive, excuse me, he proclaimed that he alone was the one who brought justice and peace to the whole world. Power. He declared that his adoptive father, Julius, was now a god and thus made himself a son of God by simple fiat decree. Power. Poets sang songs about this golden era created by Augustus. Power. Historians spun out their stories about how Rome, how he brought Rome to its climax of greatness. Make Rome great again was his mantra, so to speak. Power. Hordes of people called him savior of the world. Power. He, he was acknowledged to be the world's lord and sovereign. Power. And many of the people of his people in the eastern regions, what's now modern day Turkey, even worshipped him as a god. Power. 
Caesar stepped up to rule from above for himself. It was all about power. But notice the contrast. The rest of that story in Luke chapter 2, that true historical story about Christ who stepped down, who stepped down to raise us up with himself. Here, off in the far edges of the empire, was born a little boy who was declared by the angels to be God's one and only unique, unrepeatable son. The angel said, answered Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Here, well out of the conscious thoughts of the emperor, off the map, he didn't even probably know any of these things were happening, there was born a little fellow whom the heavens announced was Israel's long-awaited Messiah and the world's true Lord. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. But unlike Caesar, who clutched and fought and fumed and clenched for the heights of power and fame and honor, this one came in low. I mean, think of it. This one who is declared to be the Son of God, who is declared to be the the Lord of the world, came in low, born, for example... To a young gal, sorry I'm from Oklahoma, I can say this this word, okay? Born to a young gal whose only real claim to fame at this point is that she loved God. That's her only claim to fame. Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. He came in low, born to this woman, this young woman who had no other claim to fame. He was born into a gruff, blue-collar, woodworking family that had to submit to Caesar. He was born to a family that had to submit to Caesar. And he was born where? In a barn. Laid where? Surprisingly, laid in a feeding trough for a crib. So it was all about power? Seriously? Yes. It's about God's power. Power God's own humble power. For what? For this Jesus is none other than God himself, the one only true God. And so what is God doing then in that Bethlehem barn? What is God doing lying there helpless in the hay? What is God doing there dressed in diapers? What is God doing there coming in to the world through the pain? and the distress of blood and water and a birth canal. Why not, like the rest of us, arrive instead in majesty, glitz, and iron-fisted strength? That's how we all want to arrive. It's how Caesar wanted to arrive. Why not arrive that way? Because what God is doing here is he is pouring out his power for us And for our salvation. This is how God's power is exhibited. It's exactly what the Bible says all over the place. I'm going to give you two examples though. But it says it over and over and over and over and over again. For example, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9. 
For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, yet for your sakes, for your sakes he became poor. So that you, through his poverty, might become rich. He came in low. This is how God exhibited his power. Or think of Titus 2, verses 13 and 14. Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us. That he might liberate us from all lawlessness and purify us for himself, his own special people, zealous for good works. The Lord came and became the loser. In the eyes of the powerful and the pompous, none of them would have done anything like this. The Lord became the loser so that he might become our liberator. The sovereign gave himself from conception to crucifixion. The sovereign gave himself as the sacrifice so that he might raise rise. He might be able to take us and raise us up as our Savior. Even our Lord Jesus said that. I did not come to be served. I mean, think about this this verse being on the lips of Caesar. Not going to happen. The Son of Man did not come to be served. But to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. To give his life as a ransom for many. Yep, it was all about power. God's power. Wielded and poured out for us and for our salvation. Not only is Christ Emmanuel, Emmanuel is he, this is Hebrew, Emmanuel means with us, El is God, God with us. Not only is Christ God with us, he is also Jesus. And in the Hebrew, that name is Yahashua, and it means Yahweh saves. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is Yahweh who saves. Now what the mighty God is doing in Luke 2 speaks deeply to us in the here and now. We who live in a world of might makes right. That's our world. We who are tempted often, especially when we feel like we are losing our prestige and our position, are tempted to retaliate with power-grabbing, pugnacious uh, positioning, with ratcheting down all the legislative bolts we can to tighten down our control, our supremacy, our prestige and position. What God does here speaks volumes to us. What he's doing through his son gives us a new way of being powerful. Power is not about dominance. Power is about the liberty to say, I give myself to you. To humble ourselves with Jesus. Coming as servants. Laying aside our high-sounding reputations and stooping down to lift others up. 
It's exactly what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 2. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not, did not consider robbery to be equal with God, but made himself, made himself, made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It really is all about power, but it's not about the way the powerful and the pompous want to exert power. And our Christmas carols, our songs are saturated with this truth. And because of this truth, we have hope. Just think of two of them. Thou who art God, beyond all praising, all for love's sake, became as man. Stooping so low, but sinners raising, heavenward by thine eternal plan. Thou who art God beyond all praising, all for love's sake, becamest man. Hail, the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail, the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by. Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. Power. Power. To not dominate. To serve. Therefore, my friends, it's good and proper for us to respond. To praise. To raise up our... To raise high our voices with the angels... To praise God. And suddenly there was the angel, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom, with, with whom he is pleased. To make a big deal of the good tidings of great joy. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And to hastily hurriedly run with the shepherds to the almighty God who is pouring out his power in his son Jesus Christ for us and for our salvation. And while we are, while we are kneeling there with these shepherds, stupefied in, in stupefied awe and befuddled amazement, let it all blow you away and let it, then let it re-glue you in a new way. Power. Silent night, holy night. Son of God loves pure light, radiant beams from thy holy face with the dawn of redeeming grace. Jesus, Lord at thy birth. Jesus, Lord at thy birth. Let's pray. We thank you, our Lord Jesus, that you are the exhibition of true power. Coming in low, in humility, for us and for our salvation. And we deserved none of it. Lord, forgive us for the times we have misused our power in our marriages, 
in our schools, at work, in our relationships. Sometimes, Lord, it's just hard living in a world where might makes right to let go and to serve and to be humble. And yet, we're reminded again at this time of year that this is how true power is exhibited. And it was truly for us and for our salvation. We do lift up our hearts and sing your praises. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Amen.